This is Paul E. Cooley. You can find my work at shadowpublications.com, and you are listening to The Melting Podcast. You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. I didn't know you were here. Well, I suppose if you're going to be here listening in, I guess I should share some stuff with you. Oh, who am I? I'm Erin Kazmark. I am your grill mistress here on the Melting Podcast. This is episode 28. All right, so I'm dropping the fakey reporter voice now. First off, what I have for you is a little seasoning, an interview with Ed Greenwood and A.F. Grappin. Bon appetit. What that you have written, published or unpublished, have you been most surprised to find yourself writing? Hmm. Uh, speeches. Political speeches. Really? Huh. Yes, because I didn't think I would ever want to um, put words in the mouth of a political figure. And there's this famous, perhaps apocryphal story um, of a long-ago Canadian Prime Minister, John George Diefenbaker, now no longer with us, who was a very patriotic Canadian and something of a demagogue. And when he gave speeches, it was hellfire and brimstone. And uh, a speechwriter who wrote this wonderful speech for him, um, the last speech the speechwriter wrote because he was quitting for another job. Um, And right in the middle of the speech with... You know, Ethan Baker pounding the podium and hellfire and damnationing his opponents. He turned the page, and the page said, Now you're on your own, you old buzzard. And the rest of it was blank. So. (laughs) 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 And there's there's a tiny bit of me that says, Oh, yes, yes, the revenge of the downtrodden. (laughs) I I would see myself in the light and be surprised to write that. Yeah. Um, But I've also had to write. The equivalent of tech manuals, you know, where you lay out for somebody who doesn't get something. Right. The rock bottom, very simple instructions. Um, I'm reminded of um, writing for a particular gaming company years ago, and when we had to write art orders, it would say things like, if you use a horse in your story, please include a picture of a horse. Do not assume the artist has ever seen a horse. (laughs) And then you thought, oh, that's cool. And then you turn their page and it says, if you use a human in your stories, please do not assume the, the artist has ever seen a human. Please include it. Really? Really? <laughs> okay. But I mean, um, yeah, I have had to write a, um, instructions that are rock bottom simple. And th- this is the cooking part of it. For, for an experienced cook, you will read a recipe. It will say things like, Blanch for 30, 35 seconds and then do this and do that. Right. And those are the sort of recipes that always drive me nuts. I prefer the sort of Alton Brown recipe where he says, okay, guys, this is why we blanch something. Yes. This is what you're trying to do. You know, why do we um, let it chill in the fridge? for this much time, or why do we let something rest after we pull it out of the oven before we cut it? This is why we're doing this. Yes. And, of course, 
um, and I, I, I hate to be a gender stereotypical thing here, but guys who approach a recipe with the help, um, my apartment has a kitchen. <laughs> I've never been in a kitchen before. What do I do? What do I do? Um, they, if you tell them why they're doing something, they will feel a lot better than just blindly following a recipe. And then they discover, oh, I don't have a colander. What do I do? Yeah. Or shit, I didn't remember to ice cubes. What do I do? Whereas, <laughs> okay, that's okay. If you don't have ice cubes, don't worry. You know, take the bowl, put it in your freezer, mm-hmm. put the timer on for thirty seconds, no longer, because you don't want you don't want that bowl to shatter, and then pull it out again. Mm-hmm. If you see what I mean, if you yes. explain to them why they're doing what they're doing, it makes all so. I mean, I've done that too, and that was a surprise. And I found I really enjoyed it. It was frustrating because I'm taking forty pages to say you can start the damn car any time now. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, I felt really good at the end of it because I've held somebody's hand uh-huh. through starting the car, and hopefully, they managed it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we, we get a lot of flack for this question, but I've got to ask it. What would you consider your greatest strength as a writer? Um, I would say in terms of writing style, humor and empathy and understanding, the ability to put myself in any character's head and understand when I, while I'm writing what they would want out of something at that moment in that situation so that we don't have cardboard villains or cardboard stock supporting characters. Everybody is important for the moment they're on the page. And in terms of um, professional real-world things, my strength is I can write quickly. Yes. And therefore, I can can do what we're doing here with (laughs) um, the Adrenal Group and... I have been. I've gotten a lot of assignments um, in the gaming field and in writing over the years because they know I can produce something mm-hmm. by Thursday, as opposed to Thursday what year? <laughs> and and well, seriously, um, yeah. I, I have had writing assignments where I get this phone call, and because this is pre-internet, okay? Yeah. This phone call and says, um, uh, Ed, um, um, you weren't expecting anything today. But, you know, a FedEx guy is going to come to the door in, in about half an hour. Inside the envelope, you find a piece of paper. That's the cover art. We need you to write a story to go with that cover art of this length um, by tonight, at 8 o'clock. Oh, my goodness. And I would say, but I have to drive 100 miles to work and work for eight hours and then drive 100 miles home. Oh, I'm sure you'll find time in the car while you're driving. Oh my goodness! Or something of the sort, you know. And, but I mean, I, I exaggerate. But um, those sort of things, um, once you do it once, people figure out that you can do it, mm-hmm. and, and you get that you start getting work that you otherwise would not have gotten because, oh well, you know, he, Greenwood can fill this hole. So, <laughs> so the ability to write fast is what makes me useful to mm-hmm. other people. Anyway, those those are the strengths. The weaknesses, um. If I'm writing fast, I can. I'm limited in the sort of storytelling mm-hmm. I can do. I can't do slow, um, every dropping into the heads of every character around the table, where one of them is a murderer and the rest of them is the other family members, and they're all thinking, "Hmm, what shall I say and do next?" In a sort of vast intrigue thing, you know, what if what if the king is sitting with all of his courtiers and all of the courtiers know that he's going to have one of them executed as a scapegoat by the end of the night? 
but they're all having a dinner, hoping it's not their last dinner, and trying to um, look good in the king's eyes and cast dirt at somebody else without being too obvious that that's what they're doing. Um, that sort of storytelling, I have to go slower. If I'm right. doing something in uh, very quickly, I'm limited down to more action seats because that's what mm-hmm. I can. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, that actually <laughs> actually took my next question, so we'll move on. Oh, okay. There well, you go. <laughs> <laughs> you are dastardly, sir. I must use this power only for good. <laughs> Um, do you have a favorite writing exercise that you like to do if to, to get into characters' heads or just if you want to write something short just to keep the skills wetted? Uh, I would say that the one that is the most useful is to write a key incident in the life of a character before we see them in the story. Um, it could be a coming-of-age moment. That's the sort of um, obvious lazy one, but it could be any sort of crisis because you were exploring how a character acts and what they say under duress and while handling something important. And therefore, you get a handle on how they'll speak and act during the events of your novel. And it doesn't have to be a big, long, fully plotted, uh, make-sense story. It can be a little vignette. It can be a single scene or encounter. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing, you're, you're getting a chance to um, walk and talk. It's the equivalent of the puppeteer being handed a strange puppet and putting it on and, and putting, um, making up funny voices to go with it and trying them out. And for those of you who um, um, have seen the movie Night at the Museum, mm-hmm. first one, and you buy the DVD, um, one of the things, is it the first one? Um, might be the second one. Uh, it, whichever one, yeah, I guess it's the second one. The one in which Hank plays the Egyptian pharaoh. Mm-hmm. You get to see him trying on different accents, real-world accents, to use for the Egyptian pharaoh. Very, and, you know, he, he tries a, a whole spiel in, you know, it's sounding like someone from um, a particular part of New York. You know, he tries another one, <laughs> the sort of Transylvanian. You know, and you get to see the same thing done different ways. Right. That's very cool. Yeah, yeah. There, there's actually a, a BBC um, TV um, series from the past called Playing Shakespeare, mm-hmm. in which various eminent actors, Ben Kingsley and so on, would do different speeches from Shakespeare, soliloquies, mm-hmm. and famous speeches in different ways. Let's do this one as if Hamlet doesn't know and he's, he's thinking aloud in front of you. Or let's do the exact same speech when he knows and he's being sarcastic and cynical. Mm-hmm. Let's do the exact same speech where he's viciously angry, but he's trying to conceal it by um, smiling through his pointed teeth, you know, and, oh, and saying the exact same words, pitching them with different inflection and delivery. And in the same way, that literary exercise gives you a chance to say, okay, this is the character. This is the essential character. Um, because there are, for instance, it's very easy when you have a loud and bombastic character to convey what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But if they're quiet character, there are different ways of doing it. Are they really a milk toast? Are they really wooden? Are they really timid? Or do they just think that all this yelling and screaming is for undisciplined idiots and they hold the the power of veto and the power of steel and they will say it when they need to and not until. Um, a, 
a perfect example, and you can you can anybody can look this up on on YouTube by seeing the little snippet um, from uh, Terry Pratchett's the movie the the the, the Sky TV um, broadcast of Going Postal. Yes. The little snippet that's called joke, mm-hmm. in which um, we see um, Mr. Chance brilliantly play veterinary, and it, the, he utters a chilling line in which, in response to the con man, the con man suddenly realized the temperature has dropped like 30 degrees in the room, and he hastily says, joke, as in, that was a joke. <laughs> and, and the veterinary turns to him and says, oh, I see. Do warn me if you feel obliged to tell another. You know, but he yes. doesn't smile mm-hmm. like the evil villain, but he doesn't glare either. He just says it. <laughs> Deadpan, like, listen, worm. <laughs> this is, you know, this well, is how my world works, and it is doubly chilling because he doesn't overplay it. Well, that was Charles Dance playing him yes. too, wasn't it? Oh yeah. my gosh, yes. I've been meaning to watch that again. <laughs> yeah, but anybody who, who who hasn't, by the way, that is that is a brilliant movie. You should watch it. It's a even better book, and you should read the book. Yes, but. but to see that little moment of illustration, that will show you what I meant about character emoting and so on. And then the difficulty is it's easy to show that because you have the tone of voice and you have the expression on their faces. The mastery in writing, putting little curved squiggles of ink on a page, is to be able to convey that sort of thing in writing. Whoa. Oh, my God. There's there's your food for thought, everyone. Holy cow. <laughs> okay, back to me. Back to me. I'm here now. It's it, This is my episode. Me? Me? Right? Okay, we're good. It's me. I had to make sure. So, back to me. Oh, wait. No. Not me. Here, listen to this. Meet Tom Statford, Keeper of the Conclave. <laughs> Damn, I don't sound respectable. Private Detective to the Gods. The God of the Sun, the Hunt, and Truth. Apollo. Shuzhum, big as life and twice as badass. The Baron Samity has dominion over life and death. All the Gods. Lucifer, Lord of the Flies, Prince of Lies. He's faced zombies, cultists, and assassins. He's even faced down commitment itself. We don't even know where we're getting married, do we? But the world has changed. The gods are trapped on Earth, among the very humans who worship them, or don't. Some of the cults were the fun kind. Like Dionysus? Or Aphrodite. Their meetings can be somewhat energetic. Did I mention it was all the gods? Hell, I got dating advice from Coyote yesterday. The fun and games are over. In the latest Statford Chronicles book by John Walker, Tom Statford is... I just wanted to let each of you know that this is your last night on Earth. Best served cold. This is the way it has to be. Best served cold, book seven of the Statford Chronicles. Available December 2015. When the gods fall, 
who's going to pick them up. I hope you enjoy dying by my hand. Alright, so... It's an Aaron episode. So let's get to what you're all really here for. A serving of our botched recipes. Enjoy. Or else. Just kidding. Okay, unfortunately, anything that is done, we can edit out. Yeah. So... Don't edit me out. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> These BoltsCon bonus episodes as a cat jingling. Cats don't jingle, they meow. What's wrong with you? Thoughts. <laughs> Make them happen. Words. <laughs> There, is that enough? Oh, the things you do for podcasting. Can I do one? Yeah. I thought of that. Has your husband received any unusual package, uh, any uh, unusual I thought of that. I received this earlier today. It's a clicker. (laughs) (laughs) I love it! It's what I always wanted! I still have two more lines. I got a rock. I still have two more lines. Yeah, even though he wasn't there ever since we told him about that, it's kind of become a thing around the disaster kitchen. 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 I assume I just go whenever. Okay. Not yet. Pulling out the ODS manuscript, Grappen handed it to Aaron. Say that again, please. Again, please. I said say that again. Oh, that again, please. Asshole. I'm AF. And I'm Aaron. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not in this episode. We're going to start with some Stoke the Fire stories, but these are a little different. Normally, cats aren't scratching at the door. <laughs> Helma, Your World is Doomed is the first book released by the Ed Greenwood Group. Greenwood. Did you feel that the characters were well? We're with the 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 ours no W's. <laughs> I'm the opposite. Welcome back to the Mounting Podcast. Never again. I know. And write us things. Oh, that was so cute. You you so need to write us things because Gus was so adorable saying that. Write us things. It was so plaintive. Seriously, adjectives. All the adjectives. Anal? Not. No. Not no? No. So yes? This is a new segment, and this is audience participation. Ooh, which if. if and prompt number seven. Crap. Hello there, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. I am Erin Kazmark, your host for this mid month episode. Really? I'm Damn it. Fucking cats. Um. No. Hello there, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Seriously, cat? Happy December, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. What the hell? Happy December. Happy December. It's happy. We're happy in December. Okay, do it again. (laughs) I'm your head chef, AF Grappin. For now. That's Erin. Staging a coup. She mistresses the grill. I grill the mistress. I... Am the grill, mistress, I... Christmas! Ah!
Can we try that again? <laughs> <laughs> my part, my part was good. Help me. <laughs> Just say, and I'm your grill mistress, Aaron Gasmark. Even though it doesn't say by Jeff Brackett under there, I know he wrote it. You know how I know? Santa told me. You know who Santa is? Jeff Brackett. Yeah. Stop being sleepy. That one wasn't sleepy. That was... That was... Short and flash fiction, author interviews, book reviews, and... the Ouch. I bit my tongue. <laughs> I don't know how I did that. Self-cannibalism never helped anyone. Let's see. So that was the last sentence, right? Or the... So they could put in... Tom said to get the higher ground. Seven. Eight. Eight, nine, ten, eleven. <laughs> she goes, she goes yeah, cross-eyed. <laughs> they could pretend to be someone, anyone else. They could pretend not to be Cersei. <laughs> Immediately, he crossed the three-foot gap or so, surreptorating. Surrep- Contain. <laughs> Surreptorating. <laughs> That's what I was going to do. Gus Speaks, take two. For one day, they could pretend to forget who they were. They could pretend to be some cat door. They could pretend to be some cat door? Oh, they could pretend all they want. Is it like the refrigerator door? Is it a bitch? <laughs> no, they're not going to pretend to be bitches. I meant the cat door. Is <laughs> yes. the cat door a bitch? You are. Mm. Go away. <laughs> Except don't, because the mic is on you. It's a lap mic. But is it magic? Is You're it a good, magic no. mic <laughs> on your lap? No. I'm naming it magic. The microphone's name is now magic. It's a magic mic. For in his bag, besides the present... Presents. Presents. That's how it wanted to come out. Click, click. Clicky, clicky. Who are they? They are predominantly scientists. They obviously work at the analytical labs. Mm-hmm. We've got, um, I don't know their exact term, but they're sciencey people. <laughs> I have derailed. Uh, let's do that again. Ask me about the characters, Aaron. Happy December, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. Welcome to episode 21 of the Melting Podcast. Can I pinch your nose while you talk? Yes. Did I get high? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. I'm going inside. <laughs> You're like doing this 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 cutesy little thing. Like, happy December. <laughs> I'm, I'm an like, elf. You're not a who. I'm an elf. No. I'm Sparty Kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm Sparty Kids. And apparently you're also Carol Channing. Um... <laughs> Hey, bloopers. (laughs) Did I get high? (laughs) I don't know. You tell me. There's a whole lot of tomfoolery that goes on while we record around here at the Disaster Kitchen. And as I'm sure you've noticed in the past, unless you're new, as I've said before, shifty eyes. I don't remember what I was saying. All right, so I've got a couple of things for you today, and I clapped in the middle of that, so I should start over. 
<laughs> Why don't you thank people for listening? I'm very thankful for them listening. This isn't the November episode. Theme. Yes, I know. <laughs> I appreciate everyone who has taken the time to listen to us. God, he's a prude. All right, enough of our antics. On to the antics of some of our word chefs. We have had a surprise cook-off challenge thrown down by a couple of uh, authors that we've had before. Our beloved Scott Roche. Yay! And Austin Malone. Yay! Austin has slapped Scott with an oven mitt and decided that prompt number eight, you know, super sense, all that fun stuff, the one I was looking forward to, is the perfect prompt for a cook-off. So since it's a cook-off challenge, even though it is based on a prompt, we've given them the same 2,500-word limit as we gave to the previous cook-off challengers, and it will be due by June 30th, which is when prompt number eight will be closing anyway. So look forward to that sometime this summer. And remember, if you want to be involved in a cook-off challenge of your own, if we haven't issued one to the general public that you're interested in, get in touch with us. Let us know. We'd love to hear it. This is our second one we've had, and we're really having fun with this, guys. If you're enjoying all this stuff we put out and you feel like helping to support us in a more financial way, check out our Patreon. You don't have to put a lot into it. Every little bit helps, and it helps us with equipment, hopefully soon being able to pay our writers, our voice actors, and maybe put out more content. Who knows? So go check that out. You might even get some swag out of it. So win-win, right? Speaking of winning... I think the prompts we've got running right now are some pretty big winners. Prompt number eight is, Aliens have given you a super sense. How do you use it? Obviously, we know we're going to be getting two stories from that already. That will be awesome. Send yours in. We really want to hear what you have to say on that. And prompt number nine, you wake up alone at night with bite marks on your legs. What's eating you? That one could go a lot of different ways, and I'm really curious to see what people do with it. So come on, have some fun with it. Send us stuff. I mean, please send us stuff. I like stuff. And I like saying the word stuff, and it has apparently become my catchphrase. So send us stuff, and we'll use it to feed the masses. Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at themeltingpodcast.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Melting Podcast. Or you can email us themeltingpodcast at gmail.com. The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it, and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by the Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Rich Creek. Send us stuff. stuff.